0: just lift our hands and give the Lord a good praise together. Our Father, we love you. Your presence has been so real tonight. We are so grateful. We're so very grateful for your anointing, so very grateful for your glory, so very grateful for fellowship, so very grateful for truth. Oh, let's love him some more. Everybody, everybody lift your voice in Thanksgiving tonight. Oh, blessed be the. Blessed be the name of our great God. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is worthy. He is worthy. Oh, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. We are here tonight worshiping the God that we identify. His name is Jesus. Amen. The I am that I am, the first and the last. What a mighty God we serve. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. We would like to attempt to express tonight our great thanksgiving and we are so privileged to be in this meeting. We were here last year and purposed in our heart that by the help of the Lord that we would do our utmost to return and be back here again this year and uh, what a mighty move of the Holy Ghost we have enjoyed in these services great preaching and teaching of the Word of the Lord that has been so so pointed and so direct and uh, I can speak for myself and I'm certain that I speak for many of you tonight this is what we've come for this is what we have come for and uh, for most of us I trust all of us could give testimony that our efforts whatever expenditures whatever efforts went forward for our being here we have already been rewarded so much so the blessings of the Lord have have been here and uh, I'm just privileged very much to, to be in this, these meetings and, of course, an extension to that, to have the great honor to be to be asked to attempt to, to preach and to minister here tonight. What a distinct honor uh, that is. I want to give uh, my appreciation to the steering committee for... Uh, Allowing this to come about in my life, I feel very unworthy of it. I do not come to you tonight at any sense of superiority. I do not feel that I am anything other than just a fellow traveler on this Christian journey. Amen. And uh, I've come to attempt to be what the Lord would allow me to be and trust the Lord will bless us to preach his word. I um, I am happy that uh, I really feel like that this meeting is not a preaching competition I do not feel at all that that is the uh, content and the intent perhaps there will be some that in their minds inevitably they may live in that shallow vein But this is not a preaching competition. Amen. And uh, if it were so, then I would certainly be out of my league completely. But uh, we have so enjoyed the ministries that have come forward from last night through, through this afternoon. It occurred to me today, if I might make just a couple more comments before I read my scripture. A meeting of this nature—it's would seem—it's inevitable that certain themes would be repeated and uh, overlapped, repeated from service to service. And there's safety in that. There's safety in that. Amen. What else can we talk about but this common salvation that we share? What else do we have to preach but these truths that are very precious to all of us. So it is, it is very evident that these kinds of services and these numbers of messages in a short period of time, that there will be some repetition that comes about. It also uh, occurred to me, and I just felt to say it, that, you know, to appreciate... Uh, a type of meeting as this I believe the same principles that we give to saints and new converts we have to tell them that they need to catch the whole context we have to tell them to keep coming back to church to get the whole picture you can't just take one little morsel and one little one part and uh, fail to catch the whole concept amen so at times it may even sound like in a meeting like this preaching can be a bit contradictory one shines the light on this point and somebody else shines the light on that point makes it appear like that you're totally oblivious to this point it can sound so contradictory at times but if you walk in the spirit And Approach this in the fear of God and ask the Lord Lord, let me catch the context of it all Here a little there a little line upon line precept upon precept Help me get the picture the whole picture of the whole counsel of God Hallelujah in this apostolic Jesus name way. Aren't you glad for the truth? I'm not interested in hearing and telling some new thing God save us from the spirit of the Athenians Wanting to hear and tell some new thing I believe I'm preaching to people tonight that can respond to this glorious truth Amen that has been delivered into our hands Praise God Again we are so thankful for that that we have heard We have great anticipation for what tomorrow will bring And uh, in the meantime Uh, I'm kind of sandwiched in between here and if you can tolerate me just for the next few moments You'll have some more good preaching tomorrow So just smile once in a while and give me a good Baptist nod and we'll see what the Holy Ghost will do for us (laughs) Praise the Lord. Could I invite you to stand with me as we look into the word of the Lord I am directing your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. I would also like to read from the book of Luke, if I might, chapter number 12. Matthew, chapter 24, and the book of Luke, chapter number 12. I so much want the Holy Ghost to have its way tonight. Chapter 24 of Matthew and verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came, and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The book of Luke chapter 12 and verse number 54. And he said also to the people, when ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern... This time, yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right. To discern is to have perception, it is to have insight, it is to be able to notice, it is to be able to make determination. Jesus was saying, how is it that you don't have any perception You have no insight. You're not able to take notice. There is no determination about you concerning this time. So, an old song's been on my heart the last several days. Some of you may remember it, and some of you may not know it. But the old song said In times like these, we need a Savior in times like these we need an anchor be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips that solid rock i wish tonight to borrow from the words of that old song and for the next little while talk to you on the subject in times like these and may the Lord bless the reading and hearing of the word of the Lord and could everybody say to my heart heart. I trust that you mean that God bless you and you can be seated the passage of our text in Matthew 24 takes us back again to the teachings of our Lord Jesus First and foremost, Jesus Christ was, in fact, and indeed a teacher, along with being a miracle worker, opening of blinded eyes, unstopping deaf ears, walking on the sea, turning water into wine. He was first and foremost a teacher. There are those that would be of the persuasion that they would be interested in the miraculous Christ but they're not too interested often in the teaching Christ they want the supernatural they want the magnificent display of his glory but Jesus was a teacher and he had things to say in his day that were oftentimes very very offensive In fact he was the perfect teacher and they did crucify him but involved in his teaching involved in his teaching in Matthew 24 verse number 36 speaks of that day and hour that no man knows no not the angels he says but my but my father only he goes on to tell us that this was spoken concerning The coming of the Son of Man. I would believe that it was to be the common consensus of this congregation tonight that we understand that this reference is in reference to the great day of his second coming. We gather here tonight we are still believers in that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. We are, still, we are still joining, as it were, with the Galileans who stood gazing in the heavens. And there the angels spoke to them, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into the heavens? For this same Jesus, whom you see taken away, shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go. We are here tonight still believing that he is going to come again. The apostle wrote in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 37. For yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We are not here tonight casting away our confidence. We still believe that it shall have great recompense of reward. We still believe that yet a little while, and he that shall come will come. Amen. And he will not tarry. And in the meantime, we are here living by faith. Aren't you glad for the promise that he's coming soon? Amen. We are going to sing about the second coming. We're going to preach about the second coming. We're going to instruct our young people and all of our saints. Let's live expectantly. Amen. That the Lord himself, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Amen. We're going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. It is not fiction. It is a fact of the word of God. He is coming for his bride. He is coming for his church. Amen. And I believe that it's in times like these that we can lift up our eyes for our redemption. Draw it nigh. The Lord is coming again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus speaking of that time he parallels it with the days of Noah and as the days of Noah were so shall also the coming of the son of man be and he speaks about that day he says of that hour that they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. It would seem to me that Jesus was speaking of the carnal indulgences that they were involved in. He was talking about a society that was unrestrained in their appetites. On a casual reading of this text, it may not appear all of that uh, radical, and it may not appear all of that deadly and damaging, but I believe in the words of eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage it would speak of their colonel indulgences and of their unrestrained appetites it would be later that the apostle peter the one that had the keys of the kingdom the same man that preached that great book of acts sermon on the day of pentecost he would write to the new testament church in 1st peter chapter 2 and verse 11 i i would beseech you dearly beloved that you would you would uh, not follow your fleshly lust abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul the apostle Peter was telling that new testament church that infant church that there was a connection between their fleshly desires and their spirituality he was indeed instructing them that there's going to be a connection between that that you indulge in in the flesh and what your spiritual life consists of Oh. Evidently there were inroads being made and spirits that were coming into play even in the early days of the church perhaps that would have some to believe that there was no correlation and no no, uh, no acceptance there and no likeness there, that you could live any way you wanted to live and still somehow walk with God. But it was the teachings of the great apostle, the man that had the keys to say, I'm telling you, you need to abstain from fleshly lust. They war against your soul It was in the days of Noah Their fleshly lust that was unrestrained Their carnal indulgence that was there And so it produced in them A time of spiritual dullness It produced in them A great spiritual insensitivity It produced in them If you please worldliness That is simply an absence Of spiritual thought An absence of spiritual tone and absence of spiritual tenor they were involved in their fallen nature in indulging themselves and and, and not uh, yes brotherhood not somehow bringing themselves under subjection and crucifying their flesh and so it was that that self indulgent generation so brought the anger and the wrath of God we read about this time in the book of genesis chapter 6 verse number 5 that tells us of that time god saw and god saw in spite of the fact that they were unmindful of god in spite of the fact that they were not considerate of god in spite of the fact that they were too busy to pray in spite of the fact that they were not concerned about god god saw Amen. The omniscient God that sits high and looks low. He saw. He saw. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth And that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was evil continually God saw it and it grieved God at his heart I'm going to tell you where this dreadful condition and this depraved condition came I have to keep repeating if you mind, if you allow me It came because they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage It came about because of the absence of spiritual hunger and the absence of spiritual desire It would speak on about this day the earth was corrupt before god the earth was filled with violence God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth God said unto noah the end of all flesh is before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth these words these words corrupt the earth is corrupt the earth is filled with violence. Amen. A depraved, despicable, heinous state of affairs and it all begun with eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and God sees it and now it's corrupt. Now violence is filling the earth. And I remind us ladies and gentlemen Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. I would suppose that all would agree tonight we are living in a very violent society. Amen. As we are assembled here tonight and this week in this great conference, our governmental leaders are somehow meeting and scratching their heads and dulling their pencils and wearing out their erasers, trying to come up with yet more plans. How do we deal with the terrorist situation, Homeland Security? being formed. Amen. In the uh, home level our judicial system is concerned. What do we do with adolescent murderers? What do we do with preteen murderers that are walking into their parents bedrooms with loaded pistols and guns and taking the lives of their parents? How do we deal with all of the violence and the uh, depravity that is going on in our world? Not a day goes by that you could pick up your newspaper in the morning and there is yet another heinous story amen there is yet another dreadful account of something more just a few days ago I uh, read the account maybe it was in South Florida a young boy taking a ball bat to another boy there's always been little backyard spats and there's been fist fights and bloody noses but I'm telling you the apostle Paul said that one of the marks of the last days was that men would be fierce this is a fierce society this is a fierce generation this is a fierce day that we are living in amen it is a corrupt day in a corrupt hour I'm telling us in as much as we are preaching the coming of the Lord we must also remember Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the days of the coming of the son of man I submit to you humbly tonight it is not negative preaching to preach about. About the signs of the times. It is not negative preaching to speak about the corruption of this hour. It is not negative preaching to speak of the violence of our generation. It is not negative to preach about the societal impulses and the pulse of this generation
1: because it is telling us Jesus is coming it is telling us to lift up our eyes look into the heavens for yet a little
0: while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry <laughs> hallelujah And it had produced a dullness. It had produced an insensitivity. This violence, this corruption. Amen. This lacking of abstaining from fleshly lust. It was warring against their soul. And yet Noah walked with God. Amen. I got a little Sunday school lesson today. Noah walked with God. God gave him the plan to the saving of his house. All of our Sunday school children in our churches, they've took their little crayons and they've took their little pencils and our teachers have told them the story of Noah and the, and the animals two by two going into the ark. They've took their little crayons and their little feet dangling and not touching the ground yet and they've crayoned in their little, their little stenciled pictures of Noah and the ark and they would be asked they would be asked concerning noah what about him a little quiz a pop quiz at the end of the lesson what did noah do when he was here what did he accomplish right away most of them would readily lift their little hands and say noah build a boat noah built an ark noah Noah built an ark and all them animals, the long-necked giraffe, and and all them animals come walking into that ark. Yes, Noah was a boat builder. Noah was 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 an ark builder. But I found in the Bible, the great apostle Peter spoke of Noah, and he said of him that he was a preacher. It says of him that he was a preacher. Amen. He was a boat builder. He built the ark. He overseen the construction of the means of salvation in his day, but somewhere between the oversight of the building of a boat, Noah was a preacher as he walked with God and the apostle Peter, I believe by the direction of the spirit said that he was a preacher of righteousness. I don't believe that Noah just walked up and down in the course of his world and just preached just preached and said righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. I don't believe he just walked the streets and said the word righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness, but I believe that Noah put some definition on righteousness. I believe he raised the banner as the voice of God in his generation. He had somewhat to say. I believe that he preached against the sin of his hour and against the sins of his generation he raised the banner for the cause of truth, he didn't just preach righteousness, brother he spelled it out in black and white God is this and you're that <laughs> He had something to say to the generation that he was living in. He was more than a boat builder. He was more than just building an ark. He was a preacher. He preached against the sin of his day. I'm telling us tonight it's not negative to speak about these things. It's in times like these that we must warn against we must warn against getting acclimated we must warn against being acclimated so as to become, as Noah's generation became, spiritually insensitive and dull. It is the test in every local assembly. Amen. It is the burden of every sincere pastor to somehow keep something of a spiritual tone and a spiritual tenor in the pulse of his church, to somehow still hear the sounds of prayer. In in the prayer room, to still look out across the Sunday night service and see some uplifted hands and some tears and to hear the resounding voices of some people worshipping and praising God it is the test of the last day of the apostolic ministry amen, to somehow refuse to become acclimated to the climate of the times that we are living in we are surrounded by spiritual apathy, we are surrounded by spiritual dullness we are surrounded by spiritual insensitivity while the world eats and drinks and plays and marries and gives in marriage and while the ball arenas fill up we make our way to our humbled services in this village in that hamlet in that city in this metroplex in that crossroads and I say tonight thank God for every uplifted voice that's still trying to keep an apostolic meeting and still trying to keep an apostolic message
1: and still trying to keep an apostolic truth. We refuse to become acclimated to the climate of the day in which we live. Noah was a preacher. He kept himself stirred about what was going on in his world.
0: To become acclimated is to become accustomed. To a different climate. To a different environment. It is to become accustomed to different circumstance. As by physiological. Or psychological changes. To become. Acclimated. Is to become accustomed. To a different climate. To a different environment. Amen. To become somehow accustomed to different circumstances by physiological and even by psychological changes. I read a little article in our Houston Chronicle a few days ago It speaks much, I feel, about the spirit of the end time. It was a political leader and it had to regard to the uh, current situation of uh, same-sex marriage He said these words the genius of our legal system is in the orderly way our laws can be changed by legislature or by a vote of the people through the initiative process that's all good i could say thank god for america thank god for democracy the genius of our legal system the orderly way laws can be changed by legislature or by the vote of the people through the initiative process but then my heart stopped short when he said to reflect current wisdom or societal values laws can be changed to reflect current wisdom and societal values I'm telling us ladies and gentlemen, in times like these we need a savior in times like these we need an anchor
1: in times like these our churches need to hear the law thundering
0: from a Mount Sinai. We still need young people, amen, praying their way to Bible convictions. In times like these,
1: we still need pulpits that are crying aloud and sparing
0: not. And lifting up their voice like a trumpet. We are not here to reflect societal influences. We are not here to adopt the morality of our day. I'm preaching tonight. As for the Lord, his way is perfect. I'm telling us we cannot
1: improve on perfection. It's time to mount our pulpits, square our shoulders, and say, Thus saith the word of the Lord. Go to your congressman vote on your president but come into the house of god and bow your head before this word and say it's forever settled in heaven in times like these god's word is still forever settled in heaven
0: Brethren, our churches and our pulpits don't need to reflect current wisdom. We need to reflect the divine wisdom of the Almighty that is the El Shaddai.
1: We need that, not the current wisdom of this world that will come to naught, but we need that divine wisdom that comes down from another world that will breathe the Word of God into our hearts.
0: seated. It's not in times like these that we need some snappy sermon starters. You all might as well come on now. It's not in times like these that we get a little mouse on a mouse board and chase down some www.com and look up our Sunday morning sermons. You're too lazy to study and pray. Get out of the way get on your face and ask God for a message for your church. Get out of the way let somebody else that has a burden get in it. We don't need you or your mouse in Pentecost. We need men. We need brave men. We
1: need open mouthed men. We need consecrated men. We need praying men that say I feel something deep in my soul. It may homiletically correct it may not have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed but I've got a burden from the Lord I've got a message from God and this is what God has to say unto the church of the last day Get that current wisdom
0: Gone. The pressure's on. We have heard the theme again and again in this conference. The pressure is on. The societal influences that are coming to bear, it's on. There may be some men come to this conference, and you know what? If I'd give up some of those old convictions that the pioneers preached into my heart, Maybe my church should grow. After all, it is a new day, you know. The pressure's on when you got first and second generation Pentecostals sitting around. And they're able to tell their pastors after their kids fall into fornication, wait a minute, brother pastor, you know this is 2004. The pressure's on. The pressure's on. Societal values are coming. Amen. And the the pressure is being turned up. I am saying, brethren, if we ever needed to lift one another up in prayer. If there was ever a time that we needed to unify on a common front. If there was ever a time that we needed to link arms and stand shoulder to shoulder. For this one God, Jesus name, holiness message. It's time for conservative apostolics to pray for one another hold one another up in prayer no we may not cross every T and dot every I just alike but there is a need among
1: us in times like these we need one another
0: in times like these in the societal influence God help my brethren God help my brethren to stand tall and stand strong in the face of the pressure of the last days The book of Ezekiel tell us, tells us a story. I know it has to do with God's situation with Israel. But he said, I'll tell you what I want to have happen. I need six men. I want them to come, every man with a slaughter weapon in his hand. And I want one of these men to be clothed in linen with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And he said, all right, I want you with the inkhorn and the pen. I want you right here. And the Lord said unto him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. And set a mark upon the foreheads of men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. And to the others he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city. Smite, let not thine eyes spare, neither have pity. Slay utterly the old and the young, both maids and little children. Women, come not near any man upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary i'm looking for someone he said who can still sigh and cry for the abominations that are being done i'm looking for somebody who has not chose to bend to the influence of societal indulgences i'm looking for somebody who has not become acclimated either physiologically or psychologically I'm looking for somebody that is in the midst of this but is yet not a part of it I'm looking for somebody who can look upon that that is abhorrent in the sight of God and he can feel the heartbeat of eternity and he can feel somewhat as God feels I'm not looking for those who can walk and mix and mingle and participate and feel no compunction and no remorse come on men I need six of you one of you I want to have right by me with a writer's acorn and when you walk through the city beginning at my sanctuary just the chapter before it told of some who had their backs to the temple and their faces to the Sun just a chapter before it told about those that god invited into the chambers of their imaginary and he said you couldn't believe the things that are going on there they're idolatrous they've got their backs to the temple and they're worshiping the sun they're followers after strange gods and they've learned the ways of the heathen and god marshaled the heavens and got him some helpers and said come walk through my city come into my church into my sanctuary I want you to set a mark on the foreheads of those who can sigh and cry. I'm submitting to you humbly, brethren, tonight. It's not time to get used to sin sitting on our church pews. It's not time to get accustomed to the apathy and the indifference that graces our pews on Sunday night. No, everybody that graces our pews and walks through our doors are not perfect. I am not standing here to tell you that I pastor a perfect church. But I can say this for God. I'm still sighing and crying. I am not ready to assign myself as long as I've got some nice shoes to wear and a nice home to live in. And I've got a few suits hanging in my closet. And I've got a few credit cards in my pocket. I'm coming on with it tonight. You might as well loosen up. Amen. Brethren, it's not time to pull down the shingle. It's not time to quit preaching against sin. I feel somebody
1: pushing me tonight. There's an ecorn writer walking in this conference this week. There's a messenger from God besides what you see in this platform. And God wants to call apostolic movement to revival and restoration. And say you still need to sigh and cry.
0: Free men from sin. It's the time I'm probably the youngest one here. I I maybe am getting too far above where I need to be, but I'm preaching my heart tonight. I'm still sighing and crying, I'm still sighing and crying, somebody said oh toughen up, I know probably some of us need to, but I still sigh and cry over backsliders. I still sigh and cry when I see the devil laying snares for apostolic young people. I still sigh and cry for those that are late to prayer service. I still sigh and cry for those that want to live on the fringes. I still sigh and cry for those that always want to be trendsetters, and are not satisfied with the old paths. I still sigh and cry for those that it seems like there is a veil before their eyes of the value and the importance of preaching and the great necessity of praise and worship. I still sigh and I still cry. I am not here tonight to advertise my piety. I am not here tonight to lift myself up as some great spiritual one. I am just saying to us as brethren, I still believe God needs a sighing, crying ministry. Amen. Lifting up our voices, lifting up our hearts, somehow saying no, no to a generation that wants us constantly to prophesy unto them smooth things. To a society that says you've got to learn just how to present yourself. And you've got to be non-offensive. I don't know where some people got their picture of Jesus. I don't know. I guess it's always bouncing that little boy on his knees. And I don't know where they got that little effeminate man that they paint up with that long hair and that beard. I don't know where they got him, but I found that Jesus walking to this world telling his earthly brethren He said you they cannot hate but me they hate because I testify of their deeds that they are evil I'm telling you God's coming back for a church that he has purchased with his blood He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing My old grandfather many years ago, he only had about a fifth or sixth grade education. What an impact he made on my life. Sitting in his living room as a small boy, he looked at me with Holy Ghost inspiration and stood up. He'd give it this number. Sound like a steam engine but I felt God in that little wood frame house on 135 East Stephen Street in Newark and my grandpa Henry told me he said son God's gonna take a people out of a people and God's gonna have a church out of a church everybody that walks around a church ain't going everybody that says they're apostolic ain't going God's gonna take a people out of a people God's going to have a church out of a church. Thank God for a ministry that is still mounting the pulpit on a regular basis. And saying, I want you to be there. I want you to be there. I want you to be there. I want that family to be there. I want that young person to be there. And the only hope of them being there is an unfettered pulpit. The only hope of them being there is a clear word from the Lord. The only hope of them being there is churches that are free. To preach
1: the word of God and men that refuse somehow to not just quit sighing and crying. We still need men that can weep between the porch and the altar. We still need men that pray over what to preach. We still need men that have the fire of conviction in their belly.
0: seated. We have some young men here tonight. Please, I don't want to come across wrong, but we have some young men here tonight. I don't know what your concept of ministry is. If you think it's just getting to eat first in the serving line, there's more to it than that. One man got up on a Monday morning. He said, I... Didn't want to go to work. Somebody said, how did you know you was called to preach? He said, I got up one Monday, didn't want to go to work. There's more to it than get to eat first in the serving line. It's more to it than riding up and down the road in nice cars with the big shot preachers. that brother oh I can't tell it all brother Mead. he's sitting back here saying tell it tell it I can't tell it all somebody said oh man you're going to discourage our young men fully on that they need to hear it You're looking at one fella right up here. I ain't ain't telling everybody that's got a good testimony to grab a Bible and say they're called to preach. You're looking at one old bald-headed, pot-bellied old fella right here. It's a grandpa now. I'm not telling every young person this is a great life. Well, I've felt that go down, but that's all right great life of all you're interested in is like one fella told me as long as the cards and letters come in on Sunday night I don't care what they do oh it might be a good life then don't you tighten up on me I've been here before y'all honey and pie if all you're interested in is driving your fancy cars and living in your whatever it is and you don't have a burden for the truth of the word of god and you can look over fornication and adultery and you can look over prayerlessness and backslidden attitudes
1: oh it might be just peaches and cream but i'm telling you that telling you, God's looking for a ministry in this last day that still feels the burden of the ministry. Some people are in the ministry that don't have the burden of the ministry. They're in it, but it ain't in them. Well, praise the Lord. Well, the devil don't want no shouting going on here if somebody needs to sing or something. Amen. Yeah, I'm telling you, in times like these, it's going to cost you something to stand for something. When you got them across town that'll take everything you've got hands down and have them Sunday school teachers next week and you had to set them down for their sin. It's going to cost you something to take a stand for the gospel. When you quit worrying about sending in the roll call to headquarters. You quit worrying about having the big outreach ministry that overshadows everything in the state. When it costs your friends and it costs your families and it costs your people that you gave your life for to have to preach to them.
0: In times like these, be seated just just a moment. I'm going to be calling the airport after church, catching the first flight out. In times like these. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost, right now. In times like these oh my god somebody said man we knew what phillips would do and he'd get up there he'd throw a big wet blanket on everything in times like these when the societal influence man i'm reading these accounts now these big super churches Men alive, they've got Starbucks coffee shops in the foyers. They've got health spas. Now you know that's a spiritual group. They're in there with their half-dressed bodies. And the choir leader's looking at the lead singer. And she's over there running on her little board. And somebody else is peddling her little Whatever. And they're going to leave there and go in and have a dynamic service. And the world is falling apart in times like these. Just enough religion to pacify their conscience. Just enough little church to be the entertainment they've got there. They've got their, uh, what do they call it now? Their contemporary services. They've got them now coming your knee britches and your, your cutoffs and your and your blue jeans and and, and and all that stiff, starchy stuff. In times like these, they really don't want church to feel churchy. They don't want a church to feel like the one that Isaiah stepped into.
1: That would cause. Say, woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among an unclean people.
0: They don't want an old-fashioned altar. They're dragging them. If you got one, you can help yourself. They got these plexiglass platforms. If that's your thing, help yourself. Just be seated. I'll I'll be done here in a minute, and you all be glad. But. Miss one of their gestures. Ahead, I better be careful, along. I just went to the chiropractor th- Friday. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want
1: anybody to miss one of their gestures.
0: <laughs> their pulpit tearing is equipped with theatrics. Yeah. <laughs> Dashing onto the platform. Yeah, yeah, it's the latest in all the video techniques and the lighting. i tell you what we need in times like these is the stuff that brought this movement to being. It's some old preachers that have sticked their head up inside of a Bible stand after they got done preaching. And saying, God save somebody here tonight. God, send some apostolic conviction in this house tonight. Let somebody feel dirty and nasty and stinky here tonight. Send some conviction that it drives somebody to their knees here tonight. We want everybody that comes to our churches to feel welcome. We train our people, shake their hand. We want them here. We want them to feel welcome. But I'm submitting humbly tonight. Pentecost was born. And it has been perpetuated. With the old time unction And anointing. And conviction of sin. Where men preached as the spirit gave the utterance and they preached about sin and they preached about a real heaven and they preached about a real
1: hell not some kind of a social gospel but a bible gospel the rich man in hell needs to be preached a place of torment that burns forever and ever needs to be preached Hell needs to be preached
0: Praise God I Know it's getting late. I know it's getting late How is it jesus said that you don't discern this time me see how is it i believe the spirit of the lord is looking at the movement of the last days and i believe this question in the mind of god is being rehearsed as he looks at his church his movement his professing believers and in many cases he says how is it you don't discern the times How is it that rather than taking a stalwart position against the currents of the hour, you are submitting and relinquishing and flowing with the currents of the times? I believe God is saying, how is it that you do not discern the time? Pressure is on, the religious world is seeking for a non-confrontational message. I am not advocating tonight brutality, I am not advocating cruelty, I'm not advocating just seeing how ugly we can be. This message has its own edge. It has its own edge. It doesn't need my muscle altogether. It don't need my bad attitude. The wrath of man has never worked the righteousness of God. But oh God, could you give me a righteous indignation. That I could hate evil and sin in every false way. With a perfect hatred. Somebody said, I have preached my last confrontational message I preach my last preach my last holiness message what a sad commentary I'm not going to be some are saying I'm not going to be an issue oriented preacher anymore I'm not going to deal with the issues I'm saying to you again, the great patriarch Noah preached. And I believe he made issue. The Apostle Paul was an issue preacher. Give me just a couple more minutes here and we'll The Apostle Paul of this Bible was an issue preacher. I don't know how some of these guys can preach two or three times a week and say nothing, but I guess they're doing it. Somebody said the only way they could say less is just talk longer. Most of us in this room get in trouble without half trying. We don't even go looking for a fight and get in one. Paul was an issue, preacher. Preacher. He said it like this. The works of the flesh are manifest. Hello, everybody. And he said, I'll tell you what, they are these. adultery, fornication, uncleanliness lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft hatred, variance, emulations wrath, strife, seditions, heresy envyings, murders, drunkenness revelings and such like of which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past yeah, you heard it once and you're fixing to hear it again that they which do such things shall not they which do such things shall not Somebody said they just got a problem. Paul said they shall not. Somebody said grace will cover it. Paul said they shall not
1: inherit the kingdom of God. I am telling you, the works of the flesh still need to be preached. In times like these when everybody's doing it. When everybody says it's alright, it's still time to try to keep a clean church, to try to keep a holiness church, to try to keep a sanctified church, and tell them you shall not inherit
0: the kingdom. Paul was an issue preacher. He said, know you're not, that the unrighteous shall not. Inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. nor effeminate. Nor effeminate. Nor effeminate. Nor
1: effeminate. I don't care what they're doing in San Francisco. Nor effeminate.
0: glad to tell you the rest of it such were some of you but you've been washed you've been sanctified you've been justified
1: in the name of the lord jesus there's remittance and there's remission in the name of the lord
0: jesus and by the spirit of our god such were some of you amen But you've been washed you've been sanctified in the name of the lord jesus and by the spirit of our god i'm telling you in times like these there's still a gospel that can clean people up there's still a gospel that can pull them out of the dregs of sin
1: there's still a message that can put them in an altar of repentance. There's still a message that can bury them in waters of baptism and they can rise to walk in the newness of life. Perilous times are here. But Joel tells us of the same last day that perilous times come in. He said in the last day saith God I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Brother it's happening in times like these. Folks are still getting the whole Holy Ghost. People are still getting water baptized. There's still somebody
0: coming out of sin. There's still somebody getting sick of sin. I want to tell some weary preacher tonight. We heard from Elder Shepherd this morning. And a spirit of weariness can get a hold of us. I want to tell some home missionary pastor here. You're in some little crossroads village. You've come to this meeting. You had to scrape and scrap to get to be here. We're honored that you're here. Amen. You You strained and you struggled to get here you're going home to your little home mission church and to others are of us our churches are not all that large and the devil would tell us to be weary and well doing I'm telling you we gotta still preach this truth we gotta still keep our doors open we still gotta have prayer service we still have our running. We still need to have some hand clapping. If it was ever needed before,
1: it's needed in times like these. The hour is dark. The hour is late. But the church can shine in the end time. Let the radicals do what they want. Let the liberals do what they want. But they that know
0: their God shall be strong and do Exploits by the grace of a good God. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Times like these, Lord, send revival. Send revival to honest-hearted men. Send revival to men that are in this building. Send revival to churches represented in this building. Send a Holy Ghost awakening to our city. Oh, God, send some stirring. Dig up some backsliders and make them realize that the hour is late. Times like these, they need to get back to God. Stir the apathetic. Stir the lukewarm. Let us have mighty moves of God in our Sunday night services. Let us have good old fashion bible classes and
1: try to put the word of god into the hearts of people quit worrying about competition with something down the road quit worrying about trying to compete they're not in the same ballpark they're not even in the same league they don't know about what we know let's lift our heads up let's get a hold of our bibles
0: let's ask god to give us grace to meet the challenge of the end time in this hour let's lift our hands and praise the lord together hallelujah hallelujah hallelujah